We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge apply. Ctmobile.com. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Super Bowl 57. Jacob Albrocht. Tommy Castor. This is Sports Daily on Wichita's number one sports radio, 97.5 and 12.40 KFH. Caught! Touchdown! Kansas City! Hey, Chiefs Kingdom, we have you covered. Joining Sports Daily Live, executive producer of the Chiefs Radio Network, Dan Israel. And welcome in, Dan Israel. By the way, congratulations to Tyler in Wichita for winning the four-pack of movie tickets. We'll do that again in the second hour. Now, though, we turn our attention to the EP of that Chiefs radio network, Dan Israel. Dan, uh, I'm not sure how to feel about the Chiefs' win over the Broncos, a game they were up 27 to nothing, but uh, hung on and won 34-28 against one of the worst offenses in football who put up 28 points. You blaming turnovers offensively, or are you blaming bad defensive play, or, or maybe both, for allowing Denver to stay in that game at all? I, I guess I have to select both of those. I, I, I'd add to that that the Denver Bronco players were fired up. I think they they wanted to demonstrate something. You know, I mean, getting pulled off a of prime time like that, and it just – I didn't. I don't think it sat well inside the Broncos' locker room either. So, but you can mind all three of those, and certainly you ended up with the second half that we had, uh, twenty-seven to zero at halftime or whatever it was. You know, it felt like that was uh, almost the other way. You know, it was like okay, this, they're not even trying now. But, but uh, kudos to the Broncos and Nathaniel Hackett. I mean, they they put in the effort it took to kind of come flying back and. We made a number of mistakes. I think we made some changes defensively. You know, Frank Clark was pretty vocal in the locker room after the game about, you know, we just got off the same page and suddenly we weren't playing together like a team. And, and you know, that and combining that the extra possessions that you give the Broncos, it was just enough to kind of get Russell Wilson into the game. Of course, we, you know, he later left the game. But uh, uh, they did a good job of, and, and look, that's a good defense, man. I, I'm still shocked we scored as many points on them as we did. Dan, what's your level of concern right now uh, with the overall defensive output? I know you mentioned Frank Clark having comments in the locker room about them not playing together as a team. Do you think this is something, I mean, we've seen uh, struggles at times from this defensive unit. We saw them struggle in the secondary in the pass rush a week ago against uh, Cincinnati, and then, of course, the struggles against uh, Denver. Do you have a level of concern moving forward with the defense? Well, 
I think one of the odd things was, you know, it, it just didn't feel like the Broncos, especially after Wilson left the game, you know, they, they bring in a backup quarterback and he's able to be effective against you. Not only effective, but I mean, there were a couple of times he threw to open wide open receivers and that's, that's always disturbing. That never looks right on the field, especially if it happens more than once or twice. And, and so whatever, I, I'm not sure what the defensive goals were against the Broncos, whether they thought, you know, hey, it, in halftime they go in and say, hey, with this lead, let's just play a little prevent-ish and, and see what happens. And we all know what that ends up, you know, especially when you give a team a whole half of a prevent defense. That's definitely a recipe for losing a football game. So I guess I'm not quite sure what the goals were for the defense in the second half. Uh, if if the goals were such that they did a good job of executing their game plan, uh, it it wouldn't worry me as much as if we just failed to execute. Those are the things that, you know, uh, you're going to have a bad game plan here and there. You're going to have an idea of how to beat a team and not be able to use it uh, for whatever reason. But when you you've got a plan and your players aren't able to execute it, that's troublesome. That's worrisome. And look, you know, they're, the Broncos, uh, this these two weeks, the Broncos, Texans, it's hard not to take your foot off the gas pedal when you're playing a team like that where it seems like, you know, it doesn't require your full effort. Not that they'd fall into a trap because, again, like I said last week, I just don't think the Chiefs operate like that. But it's a little troublesome to, you know, to watch it on the field. I would definitely say if they struggle against the Texans, <laughs> we're going to have something to talk about next Tuesday. Mm-hmm. I, I, Dan, if there are six real contenders right now, and there may be more, but if we're looking at Cincinnati, Buffalo, and Kansas City, Philadelphia, Dallas, and San Francisco, let's say there's six. And again, there could be more. Of those six, the Chiefs are behind the other five defensively at this point, don't you think? that that That's what has me a little bit concerned. Not only are they behind there, but they're also maybe behind running the football. Two formulas we know win in the playoffs. Where do you think the Chiefs sit right now in that power ranking of those six teams? Yeah, it's a really good question, and I think it's confusing. You know, I, I would have said before last Sunday that to some degree the Bengals right now look like they're the hottest team in football, and then they struggled against the Cleveland Browns. And it was, you know, kind of confusing to me why, you know, the, they can seem to have our number but not the Browns' number. Now, I, I realize they did pull it out, but I don't think the Bills are, are playing quite as good football as maybe they were even playing last year. It seemed like the beginning of this year they were, but uh, I don't know whether Allen's just hiding an injury or, you know, he just doesn't seem to be the same Allen to me. So it's it's kind of a fascinating aspect of the way this league has just evolved. You know, I mean, I, you look at the Miami Dolphins and think, wow, they're powerful and explosive, just like when Tyreek was, was here. And then they fall to the Chargers and feel like they, you know, the Chargers defense isn't that good. So, I mean, they're good, but they're not, they're not, you know, number one in every category to where they should have shut down the Dolphins. And I felt like the Dolphins were really struggling Sunday night. It's just, it's hard to, to judge. I, I would say that, you know, it's going to depend how teams match up, where those teams are played. I mean, where those games are played. Uh, you know, for instance, I think it would be hard for the Bengals to come into Arrowhead and win an unprecedented fourth in a row like that. I just don't think that that would be. It was it was it was a, a statistical anomaly last year in that it's difficult to beat a team twice in the same year. For them to beat a team twice 
two years in a row, uh, two good teams. You know, I, I see, you know, we're 14 and 0 against Denver, right? But that's, that's over the last 14 games. I feel like it's a little bit of a, a hard thing to put your finger on because the chiefs right now have a powerful running game, which is kind of surprising. Um, you know, the, the, the Bengals got all their wide receiving core healthy again. And why I think the, the T Higgins is struggling with a little bit of a hamstring, but you know, with them playing good long ball, they, they're an explosive threat. It, it's hard to assess that. I, I really, I feel like they're all kind of neck and neck and it's going to depend on who plays who and where that game is played. Dan, in a game where we saw Patrick Mahomes make another incredible, crazy throw uh, to Jarek McKinnon for a, what, a 56-yard touchdown pass. We also saw Mahomes turn the ball over three times. We know that this is something that the the Kansas City offense has struggled with at times this season, giving the ball away too much. Where do you stand right now on you know where things are at with Mahomes and offensively and the turnovers that this team has? You know, I, I always think of kind of like what we used to say about Brett Favre. If you're going to... If you're going to accept those, you know, those crazy, you know, highlight-esque, unbelievable plays from Mahomes, you've got to kind of accept a little risk with that as well. But the reality of it is he is very good about choosing, picking and choosing when to risk the ball and when not to. I I thought he must have been seeing – they must have been baiting him for them to to get three picks on Mahomes. Now, I I feel like – they were definitely pressuring him, so he was having to throw fast. And I think he was trying to squeeze it into some tight windows. Um, would he have been that way if the score had been different? Possibly. You know, I mean, that's how intelligent this kid is, and he certainly doesn't do anything without thinking it through. He's not just out there slinging the ball. It may look like backyard football, but it's not. And so I – but – you know the the reality of it is this game. It, while the turnover the uh, turnover ratio may not be as huge a barometer as it used to be on who won what game, it's still important. You have to protect the football, and turning it over three times is too much. And if there's anybody on that team that knows that, it's Patrick Mahomes. So as we look ahead now, it's the Texans, and I haven't looked at the early line on that game. Let's see. It's 14 points. I think we all learned our lesson with a 17-and-a-half-point spread against the Cowboys. But Houston basically showed us they're not rolling over against anybody. I don't I don't think we fear the Chiefs losing this game, but w- what do we want to see here? I, I think it'd be a smothering defensive performance, right? Just bury the Texans and don't let them do anything. Um I, I, these these last games for the Chiefs, what we thought was going to be a great schedule is not one, which is good in the sense that, you know, it relieves some of the pressure maybe on trying to get the number one seed. But on the other hand, it's going to be hard playing Houston, Denver, and Vegas in three of your last four than, than expect to just jump right into the postseason against a much, much better team. Yeah, I, I, that's my biggest fear is that, you know, you not that you get rusty, but you, you become accustomed to a slightly – slower speed of game you know you become accustomed to being able to throw three picks and still win the game those don't happen in the playoffs right those those, that margin of error is so narrow in in any of the postseason that they're not going to get they're not going to be in their tip-top form 
Uh, well, I say they're not going to be. I see. I think that's going to be the struggle when you're playing a team that isn't necessarily. And you mentioned the Texans. Look, the Texans may give them a run for their money, but I think when we go back to that whole the iron sharpens iron adage that you know the the worst part about this schedule is while it isn't going to be necessarily difficult, gives them the chance to maybe rest a player who might be banged up or whatever. It also isn't forcing them to play their best football. And, and I don't know what the outcome of that will be. It, it'll be interesting to see. Certainly these, these two games, the Broncos and Texans, they'll set up at least a, a moderate contest to see how they play the Seahawks. And maybe, they, maybe you won't be able to tell. I hope that's the case, but that's my fear too, is that, you know, you just don't quite without that pressure on you, you just don't stay quite as sharp as you probably are going to need to be. And then suddenly you're going to hit the playoffs and that water is going to be freezing cold. I think one thing that uh, that I saw against the Broncos that I would love to see continue against the Texans is Kansas City establishing production from the running backs. And Isaiah Pacheco, 70 yards, averaged over five yards a carry against Denver. And then Jarek McKinnon out of the backfield catching the football, 112 yards, two touchdown catches. Where do you stand on the production from the running back room? And I would imagine that's, again, something that you would like to see Kansas City continue to lean on, especially this weekend. Yeah, I just think it's so helpful to be able to close out games, you know, you, you, and to get a good first down. I mean, first down is so critically valuable to to what you can play call for second and third down. So, And I feel like if you can get a running back that can get four or five yards, it changes the game. I went home when Damian Williams got released, uh, what was it, yesterday or the day before, and, and I thought, you know, hey, Damian Williams, and it's like, what, what am I talking about? We have this this left right punch that's just almost you know knockout worthy i i really feel like if you start paying attention to the left hand all of a sudden you get this right uppercut and and they go back and forth and that that last run by isaiah pacheco to close out the broncos game that was just pure will i mean that's angry run stuff right and so uh i love what these guys are what they look like on the field i I kind of feel sorry for Ronald Jones. I don't know if he's ever going to get to see the field. I'm not sure why they picked up Melvin uh, Ingram or uh, Gordon at this point because I'm not sure he's going to get to see the field. These two are just playing at a level that are it's unbelievable right now, and uh, I think it's a huge for them to for the Chiefs. The one thing I think if you look back over the last let's say three or four years of, of Chiefs football, I think one thing you could argue is that offensively they've never been as balanced a football team as you would expect. And suddenly now they are. And I feel like that run game really gives them a lot of variety in their play calling for second and third down. And that's harder to defend. You know, when you don't know for sure what second down is going to be, your personnel is completely different. And a lot of teams will play base personnel in that situation. And, and that's easy to scheme for the chiefs. That's an easy situation to scheme into something big. Dan Israel, executive producer of the Chiefs Radio Network, joining us here. They'll uh, have the call this weekend against the Texans, uh, one of those rare noon games for Dan. Chiefs don't get a ton of them. Uh, before we get to that broadcast, we, we posed this question yesterday, Dan. I'm curious for your take on it because it's felt, you know, for most of the year like the AFC had the advantage just holistically. But if I gave you the top three in each conference and I said you have to take either the NFC or the AFC, so you either get the Eagles – the Cowboys or the Niners, or you get the Chiefs, Bills, and Bengals. You get one of those groups. Who are you taking right now? Basically, where's the balance of power conference-wise in the NFL, do you think? You know, I, I, 
I watch the Eagles, and I just think they look like such a complete team right now. But the reality of it is, you know, they're not as tested as you'd like to see from a team that, you know, you you say, okay, well, they're probably going to be the NFC Super Bowl representative. I don't know, to, to be honest with you. you know, I mean, they haven't played the level. They've played some, some good games, but they haven't been challenged all season like other teams have been. I mean, we look at the front of our season was brutal, right? Just brutal. So I, I don't know. That's a tough I, – I, I guess I would probably pick the AFC group just because I think it's more exciting football. You know, it's just more fun to watch. Uh, it, it tends to be faster and a little bit more airborne. And so I, I guess that's the way I'd lean, but it's a great question. Yeah, it's the quarterbacks. I, I think certainly you would take yeah. Mahomes, Burrow, and Allen, and that may be the decider. But it's closer than I think we thought it would be uh, at the beginning yes, it, of the season. Yes, the it, NFC is for sure. You're absolutely right about that. All right. So what do we have on the broadcast? So you guys get a noon kick that never happens. Chiefs at noon. What do you guys have planned on the Chiefs radio network? I've spent so many years getting up early, and now all of a sudden I've, I've get, become accustomed to not, have, not having to set my alarm on Sunday morning. So <laughs> we'll, we'll see what uh, this noon kick – like, those used to be secondhand to me, you know, second nature to me, and, and we literally had to plan it out. We'll have a, a team uh, – uh, our group will conference call on Friday, and I'm sure there will be all kinds of questions. Okay, when do we do this now? When do we do that? But we'll have a good one for you. We go on the air at 11, so uh, we'll have a, a good pregame. And – and I think these are going to be – these are fascinating times to me to talk to, to like, Dane and Hughes about what the what's going on inside the locker room. When you're going to play a team, you know you should be. It's obviously inferior. I want to know kind of the mindset behind that because that's not an easy thing to get up for a game that you should be able to, to you know, to close out with half effort. And, and yet they, that's what the Chiefs have to do because, as you mentioned earlier – the number one seed still at stake here, and it, it doesn't look like either the Bengals. Fortunately, the Bengals and Bills are going to play one another at some point here, so that'll help. But uh, one of those guys, it's just going to be neck and neck all the way. The Chiefs have to win the games that they're supposed to win, and that's that's one Sunday against the Texans that the Chiefs are supposed to win. Dan Israel, executive producer of the Chiefs Radio Network. That you'll hear on Sunday over on KNSS coming up tonight on KFH. We'll have the Chiefs Kingdom show that starts at 6. Dan, have a good call. Enjoy it, and uh, enjoy the trip down to Texas. All right, guys. Appreciate it. Have a good week. There goes Dan Israel. If you missed any part of that conversation, if you're joining us in the middle of it, you can go back and listen at kfhradio.com. Tommy and I will be back. We'll roll forward on this Tuesday edition of Sports Daily when we return. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? 
Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Welcome back, everybody. Sports Daily, Tuesday edition. Good one, Jeff. Love this song. Uh, 869-1240, you can call us. You can get in touch with us. You can go to Twitter. We're open uh, here the rest of the way. Do want to talk, Tommy, a little bit. The uh, the Wildcats, K-State yesterday. Three All-Americans. There's gobs of All-American lists. Uh, but we're going with the AP here. Deuce Vaughn. Uh, Gets back-to-back, first time since 94-95. K-State's had a guy back-to-back, first-team All-Americans. Uh, Cooper Beebe gets a nod. Felix Anyadike Uzama gets a nod. So three AP All-Americans just furthers this remarkable season for K-State. I would have to defer to Wildcat fans on on this, but this at least has to be in the conversation of best cat seasons ever. Um, I, I think there are some others people would probably rank ahead of it. And and again, I defer there. But, man, three All-Americans. You're in the Sugar Bowl. You're taking on Alabama, the Big 12 championship. Just a great year for K-State football. And one you, it, it sort of feels like could be the real springboard into a lot of success for this regime in Manhattan. I think you're right. And in a world where... NIL rules the day and the transfer portal, um, you know, is, is taking shape left and right. Uh, it absolutely is a benefit to be in a, a position to play in a sugar bowl, to win a big 12 championship, because you're getting more eyes on the program, more exposure, and then ultimately more dollars and more opportunities for NIL for a lot of these players. And so I wouldn't be surprised at all to see Kansas state continue to be active in the transfer portal throughout this next month and during the off season, uh, because they've got that chance to continue to ride the momentum into next year and beyond. This could be the start of a really successful long-term period for Kansas state football. Yeah. And you know, it's the interesting thing here is going to be like Deuce Vaughn. We assume he's going to play. He said he's going to, we don't even know what his status is. And this is where NIL makes college football really interesting. Deuce Vaughn could earn a lot of money next year, I would think, in NIL at K-State. Let's say he's not a first three-round pick, right? Let's say, you know, the league likes him, but he's undersized, and they may take a flyer on him like the fifth or sixth round. There is a world that exists where Deuce Vaughn could be more advantageous financially for him to return. And we see it in college basketball. Look at Shibwe, right, for Kentucky. he He's coming back because he can earn a ton of money at Kentucky where he is a unicorn for college basketball. He's not as much in the NBA. He'll be an NBA player, but he probably has an opportunity to take advantage financially. The NIL is going to create these opportunities and unique scenarios and circumstances. I think that Deuce Vaughn, I, I don't think he's coming back. Let me say that as I have this conversation, but I think there's a world where he could. Pre-NIL, there'd be zero chance, right? That you put the, you put the, you wear down the tread on those tires, 
But now there is an opportunity for that. And that's really cool and exciting to think about for college sports. Um, but it, it's, it is changing things. And for K-State, right now they've reached the point in this regime of this is where they've always envisioned themselves being, right? Winning Big 12 championships right on the cusp. If we had a 12-team playoff now, K-State would be in. And how crazy would that be this year? Yeah, it would be incredibly crazy. Um, and, and going back to Deuce Vaughn, his usage uh, skyrocketed this season. I mean, he carried the ball about 40 more times than he did a year ago. Uh, his yards per carry down a little bit. Uh, didn't get into the end zone as much as he did a year ago. But that being said, they leaned on him quite a bit more. Uh, and I think that because you've got that that uh, NIL potential on the table and you have the potential to if you decide you want to run it back and you know you've got Will Howard coming back you know you've got those weapons uh I think that again I I don't necessarily I wouldn't bet money on him coming back but if he did decide that he wanted to do that I wouldn't I wouldn't be overwhelmingly shocked if that were to happen uh because not only the money aspect of it but the chance to potentially be able to run it back and, and maybe win another big 12 championship. Uh, and you know, who knows what could happen? The, the, the sky's the limit with this Kansas state team. Hey, Tommy, sorry. You'll have to repeat yourself. I just lost power at my house. So, so I'm rejoining you on the phone here. I don't know what's going on. All right. Well, fair enough. I was wondering why I couldn't hear you in my ears there all of a sudden. No, I'm just talking yeah. about if, uh, you know, if Deuce Vaughn decides he wants to run it back, uh, with Will Howard next year and get that NIL money. Um, I, I don't, I'm not counting on that happening, but I wouldn't be overwhelmingly shocked. No, not at all. And if that happens, K-State would absolutely, you know, the expectation at that point likely rises into, you know, reaching the, you know, college football playoff. That would be what you're shooting for, because at that point you would certainly expect a big 12 title and then you take your chances. Now that's not, that's not saying it would be disappointing if that didn't happen, but yeah, I mean, I, I don't, again, I don't think it's going to happen. We just haven't heard yet. And the only thing I've seen is that Deuce Vaughn was asked if he's going to play. And he basically said, yeah. So, and, and I get it. Like I get it. If he doesn't play, I get all of those things this time of year where if guys are trying to get ready for the league and take that step, it absolutely is fine that they do that. I, I will never hold that against a player. Whether that yeah, means I, he's got yeah. any interest in coming back, I, I don't really know. Yeah, and I think it's going to, a lot of it probably will come down to, um, you know, not only what happens in the Sugar Bowl, but also what the, those prospects look like. And, and you know, his, the one thing about Deuce Vaughn is that he's got connections in the league. I mean, his dad is a scout for the Dallas Cowboys. And so he's got those connections already. And, you know, those conversations have been going on for a long time. Like where are you potentially projected uh, in the draft? Is this something that uh, is conceivable where you could go high enough to where you could make a roster right away, you know, and you could end up being a contributor as a rookie to an N to an NFL team and get a contract, a guaranteed contract. Those things, you know, those conversations are happening and they have been happening for a long time. Um, a lot of it's going to come down to that. I think my gut tells me that there is a, a team or at least a handful of teams in the NFL that could use Deuce Vaughn right away. Uh, and so I think that's going to limit his chances of, of coming back to Kansas State. But again, like I said, 
Uh, I wouldn't be overwhelmingly shocked if that were to happen. Well, I mean, yeah, I think there are a lot of teams that would love to have Deuce Vaughn. The question becomes where would they draft him and how much money does that net? You know, what kind of contract does that bring? Because if you're a late draft pick in the NFL, it's it's a a very uneasy experience financially. There's, you know, the guaranteed money is either non-existent or goes way down. You have to play your way on. All that money that the early round draft picks make isn't quite there. So you can take that risk. Of course you can. The whole point of this conversation, though, is – do you have to take the risk? Do you come back? Do you take right. advantage financially of the opportunities at K-State that might be there? There, There is very much, and I don't know, again, what his draft prospects are. But if he falls outside of the first three rounds, which seems possible, you know, with his size, if he falls out of that spot, he absolutely could earn more money next year at K-State than he could in the NFL. Now, Long term, there's the bet on yourself mentality. There's the I'll get in there and I'll prove it and do this, that, and the other. But, you know, there's a chance if Deuce Vaughn came back and Kansas State is now at this level of visibility that Deuce Vaughn's contending for Heisman next year, that Deuce Vaughn's making a ton of money in the NIL next year. Like, there are plenty of reasons now for really good players like Deuce Vaughn who might not be a sure thing early round pick. And again, I don't know that that you absolutely could take advantage and come back and be in a better financial situation. Yeah, if, if Deuce Vaughn returns next season for Kansas State, he might be in the running for a Heisman. Um, you know, he could potentially be, you know, again, a repeat All-American. All of those things can be true, but I also would have a hard time believing that he could do anything that would raise his stock in Correct. the NFL draft. I agree. Right. Yep, I agree. So he's going to be drafted, you know, if he decides to go to the draft, he's going to be drafted at his position this year or next year, probably around the same time. Like he could have, I mean, he's done basically all you can do as a college running back coming back for another season at Kansas state outside of the financial implications. He's not going to be able to do much, if anything, to raise his draft stock. And, but I think that that could potentially be okay if you think you're going to end up as a late-round draft pick. My question to you would be, if you're an NFL general manager, of course it's going to depend upon the team, but if you're an NFL general manager, would you take a flyer on Deuce Vaughn in one of the, uh, yeah. the first three rounds, potentially? No question. Yeah, and we're biased in this. So you know, take that with a grain of salt. We watch Deuce Vaughn every week for three years now, so we're obviously going to have a bias here. But we've seen this work with similar players from K-State. Darren Sproles is the perfect example. Um, undersized gadget players now in the NFL have a bigger role than we've ever seen. Naheem Hines has been a very useful player over the years. Tyree Kill, at one point, I think, was a running back. Now, Deuce Vaughn doesn't have that kind of speed, but I imagine Deuce Vaughn is a gadget player. Could you imagine Darren Sproles in today's NFL? Darren Sproles had a great career, but could you imagine him in today's NFL? The NFL that now spreads it out a little bit and uses guys in the slot and does all these motion things and everything that you could use Deuce Vaughn, not only in the backfield, but in a variety of places, it would be fantastic. He, he would be, I would absolutely take a flyer because I think you could, he could change your offense and, and provide, imagine Deuce Vaughn in the chief system. Tom, I mean, it'd be fantastic. Yeah, what's going to be really um, 
interesting to watch with Deuce Vaughn specifically is that we've seen situations of teams in the NFL that have found significant amounts of success. Uh, look, Kansas City's one of them. Significant amounts of success with running backs that they did not use a high draft pick on. Look at Isaiah Pacheco is the perfect example of that. Uh, and so it would be difficult for me. I love Deuce Vaughn and I love the talent that he has. But if I were to answer the question that I posed to you about if I would take a draft pick in the first, second, third round on Deuce Vaughn, I'm not sure that I would because there are options where you can get out quite a bit cheaper. You don't have to spend high draft capital and you can have somebody that can contribute on your team right away. That's not a knock on Deuce Vaughn. It's not a knock on his talent level or what he brings to the table. It's just the reality that there are tons of running backs in the NFL who probably don't have a long shelf life, but they can be productive and you're not taking a first, second, or third round pick to to bring them into your organization. Yeah, no, I get that. And look, there's a difference in Brees Hall and Deuce Vaughn. Brees Hall is a you know, he's a game changer in the NFL and was as a rookie even before he got hurt. That's the kind of guy that comes around not super often that you'd be willing to take in the first or second round. Deuce Vaughn in the third round to me, though, that's where you really just start to take highly talented players. Um, and, and I would absolutely be comfortable in the third with a guy like Deuce Vaughn if you're a team that has a clearly defined role for that player. And there are plenty of teams that could do that. Think about the 49ers or, uh, I mean, there's, there's a number of teams who use players that way that could get use out of it. I don't know financially long-term what the best idea um, is, you know, because if you, if you come back, you're taking the short-term money and then, and then maybe delaying the long-term money possibilities. If you leave, you're just basically pushing fast forward on the long-term. Because I don't think Deuce Vaughn would go before round three. I really don't. I mean, maybe he would. And we have to see draft evaluations. But I don't think we would see it because he's not going to be an every down back in the NFL. And that's typically what we see go there. Um, and those guys do have success. Henry Walker this year, Brees Hall we mentioned. Remember when Ezekiel Elliott, nobody, you know, Ezekiel Elliott wasn't a bad draft pick. He was a bad second contract, but he was the best back in the league. He was an MVP candidate when he was there. Derrick Henry, could you imagine? So there's still room for those guys. I don't think Deuce Vaughn's that, but I absolutely think there's room for him in the third round. I'll tell you this, too. I think Deuce Vaughn's way better than Isaiah Pacheco. No offense to Isaiah Pacheco, but to me, Deuce Vaughn is – far more likely to have staying power in the NFL than Isaiah Pacheco is. I don't think we'll have Isaiah Pacheco as the, with a meaningful role for the Chiefs two, three years down the road. Deuce Vaughn's the kind of guy with his skill set between special teams, uh, between his versatility as a receiver and a runner, easily could see an eight, nine-year career for Deuce Vaughn in the NFL. Yeah, there are a number of teams out there that are looking for that talent level, looking for an athlete in that position uh, to be able to come in and be productive for a long time and be able to catch the ball out of the backfield and, you know, be that kind of bell cow for your organization. And so I, I absolutely, again, I, I want to be clear. I'm not knocking the prospects of Deuce Vaughn in the NFL. I think that uh, that is a legitimate thing. Uh, I think that he's got the talent and the skill set to be productive in the NFL. I'm I'm just not sure that I would advocate using significant draft capital 
on Deuce Vaughn. I guess it would depend upon the team. Um, you know, if, if you've got somebody that is super needy at that position and you need an athlete that badly, uh, sure. But I look at, I go back to, of course, our reference here in this part of the country is Kansas City. And I look back on the Chiefs drafting Clyde Edwards Elaire in the first round. And I'm I think that we can all say that he's not lived up to that first round draft pick. Uh, and so it would take a lot for me if I was a general manager to feel comfortable taking not just Deuce Vaughn, but any running back of that stature in the first three rounds. If I'm Deuce Vaughn, uh, and I'm again, I'm not suggesting that he's going to do this, but if I'm Deuce Vaughn, I would take a long, hard look at my prospects at coming back to Kansas State with Will Howard next season and potentially making a good amount of money in NIL. There's no potentially making a good amount of money about it. I mean, think about the opportunities. Think about the boosters. Think about the businesses that if if Kansas State, even if they don't win the Sugar Bowl, but if they win the Sugar Bowl, come back next year. If he and Will Howard both came back, they'd likely be a preseason top 10 team, top 15 at least. That momentum and that buzz is going as hard as it does. Um, I mean, he could earn a lot of money. He could earn a lot of money. And that's that's the beauty to me of NIL is it it could potentially lengthen a lot of college careers. And I think that that's awesome. I think it makes the game better. I don't think Deuce Vaughn's going in the first round. Don't get me wrong. But I think he could absolutely go in the third. I, I could see Andy Reid, for example, seeing his versatility and the value that they put on special teams and all these different things and saying, God, he, you know, it's the third round. We don't have a clearly defined need. We don't, you know, we don't have a must have. Let's go get Deuce Vaughn and add him to the offense and see what happens. I can no absolutely way. see a team doing no that. No way. I, I mean, no way. I, I've got to look at his draft status. I've got to look, and I, and I will as soon as I get internet back to my house, which I <laughs> just came <laughs> back on. So we'll get, uh, we'll get reconnected here in a minute. But um, I, I just, there is a world to me where Deuce Vaughn could, could absolutely live up to the value of a third-round pick in the NFL. Um, I like Deuce Vaughn. Hey, I, I like Deuce Vaughn. I can tell you right now, Brett Veach and Andy Reid, they're not going to use a draft pick on any running back, even if it's a third-round pick. They're not using it on Deuce Vaughn. They're not using it on a running back. Been there, done that in a high draft pick. They're, just, they're not going to do it. And if we're talking Kansas City specifically, there are far too many deficiencies defensively that they would want to address in, uh, address in the draft. So I'm looking at some random website. Uh, I mean, Bijan Robinson's the top prospect, which doesn't surprise anybody. Um, I think they have Deuce Vaughn as the 25th ranked NFL running back prospect. So it, it's tough. It's going to be hard to evaluate that, and he's going to have to get an honest opinion. But. It will be an interesting storyline to watch this offseason. We don't have a grade, a grade. We don't have a clearly defined answer on his future, which I think is interesting at this point. All right, we're going to take a quick break. Uh, in the meantime, let's give away some of those movie tickets. Let's give away uh, Avatar's movie on Thursday at Boulevard Town West Theaters. You can get a four-pack to those. Jad will take that caller. I'll get reconnected here as I've got power back now, and we'll wrap up Sports Daily on a Tuesday. Second caller wins those tickets starting right now.
Welcome back, everybody. Jacob Albrock, Tommy Caster. Daggum, Tommy, I'm sad about Mike Leach. My goodness. Uh, find yourself in that rabbit hole today. Just go look at the reactions. Go look at the videos. Go watch them. We lost such a cool character. We lost such a cool dude. Uh, did it a different way. Innovator, changed the game, all those things. Just go find them. It's worth your time. Mike Leach, uh, rest in peace to the pirate. Uh, gone at 61. Just a shocking and really, really sad story in the college football world. Yeah, it really is. And and there's not going to be anybody uh, that can come in and, and take that mantle. Like, he was one of one. Uh, there's nobody else that you look at, you're like, oh, yeah, that guy, um, you know, is irreverent like Mike Leach or has the sense of humor like Mike Leach or does the things on the football field that Mike Leach did. Um, he he is in a class or was in a class of all of his own. Uh, and so I think that's the saddest thing about it is that, yeah, he's got a great coaching tree and great coaches that coached under him that got their starts with him. But as far as his personality and what he brought to college football, uh, I don't think there's ever going to be anybody quite like him. No, and and the 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 most uh, beautiful part of the stories uh, for for me is just how much genuine time he spent with people he didn't need to, um, and you'll see a lot of that today too. Um, young people who early in their careers just spent time with him, and he took that time and and did those things to help them along the way. And, and I do think he was pretty brilliant. So I, I do think he understood what he was doing for people, um, whatever the intent was. I, I, I think he knew how much that means to a young you know reporter, a person doing anything. And, and I think he took that time because he knew it was important. And, you know, he just immersed himself in the communities he coached in. And, and we lost a legend today, Mike Leach gone at 61. Uh, tough, tough story. Spend some time with the videos today. Uh, and we'll, we'll remember a guy who who changed the game on and off the field. Um, Tommy, we got the Shockers tonight. Uh, Mississippi Valley State, you know, we we uh, we talked about them. They're terrible uh, this year. So it, it's an odd game, 27, 26 and a half point spread, I think 126 and a half. I don't, I, I don't know what you do on that end of it. I, I think for Wichita State, and, and we talked about this in the first hour, just go out and just dominate them, right? Like, just absolutely, from beginning to end, dominate that game. Don't turn the ball over. Let's see some, you know, some shots fall and just take it as a tune-up before Oklahoma State and and get an opportunity at Interest Bank Arena to win one against the Big 12. But, you know, it is there is appeal to the game tonight because you want to see the momentum from the end of the Longwood game carry over into this one. Yeah, and it's the last, <clears throat> last opportunity for Wichita State to get kind of that tune-up before Oklahoma State. And as you mentioned, there have been games that the Shockers have looked really bad to start and then turned it up. And then there have been other games where they've looked really good to start, but then let it kind of fall apart in the second half. So you want to see a complete effort for the full 40 minutes against a team that is not very good. I think we can all say that about Mississippi Valley State 1-9. and nine. Uh, They don't score points. They've scored 70 points exactly one time this season. Uh, and so with the shocker defense, what they can do, uh, you would like to think that Wichita State can can cover that spread. Uh, you want to see a complete game from start to finish. 
That game tip, 7 o'clock, you'll hear it on K-E-Y-N. It's an ESPN Plus game uh, as far as being televised. Congratulations to Mike in Clearwater for winning our second four-pack of the day of tickets to the new Avatar movie at Boulevard Town West Theaters. We'll give away some more tickets to that tomorrow. That movie premieres on Thursday. Congratulations to Mike and our winner in the first hour. Uh, we'll come back. We'll put a bow on this Tuesday edition of Sports Daily. Jacob Albrock, Tommy Caster, Jad Chambers producing. We'll be right back. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one... They're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Hey, 